the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Busy week in the sports world. This is right up our alley. Welcome into the Spot Track Podcast. Brandon Kravitz here, along with the money man himself, Mike Gennetti. Mike, live from the epicenter of the sports world. Bills Chiefs <laughs> this weekend, man. It does not get bigger than that. I uh, I'm attending in person, Brandon, which really? is not it's not usual, but this feels like one of the games, you know, I mean, if this is a home game that Josh Allen is going to take, you know, and put in his back pocket, it's probably the biggest one he's had in his six years here. So it's uh, it feels like I should be there even if they get wiped out. But you're right. This is probably where most of the eyeballs are going to be this weekend. And hopefully it lives up to the hype. I think it's going to, given the placement in the weekend, the divisional round, I think this could potentially break ratings records, especially if Swift is in the building. Then I can tell you right it. now, too, uh, more than three feet of snow in Orchard Park right now and still coming down as I look out the window this second. So That's great. it's going to be an absolute S show in terms of the tailgating <laughs> and the parking and the experience in the, in the... I mean, they did a hell of a job last week getting it ready, but we'll see what happens this week. It should be a, an all-inclusive, let's put it that way, in terms of uh, the atmosphere here. So does Mike Gennetti go as a media member or are you, uh, you throwing on a Bills jersey and going as a fan? I am... Row six, down low, full snowsuit, um, diving in with the rest of Bill's mafia. So it's uh, it's going right. to be a beer in hand kind of situation. Uh, breaking tables and all that stuff. I mean, you know, I'm a little old. <laughs> okay, maybe maybe leave the tables to everyone else. Uh, last week was all about the coaches for us. We had so much news. Felt like uh, it was almost spoiled by the amount that we had to talk about between Nick Saban and Belichick. Those were stories by themselves that happened to coexist. And then, oh, by the way, Pete Carroll and all of that. This week, we're right back to the players. So let's start with the NBA. Big trade that went down yesterday afternoon. The Pacers acquired Pascal Siakam in exchange for Bruce Brown and three first-round picks. So we're going to yeah. break this down on, on multiple levels here. Both teams, financially, the future, and all of that. It feels like the Raptors may have settled in terms of compensation if this is what a player like Pascal Siakam is going for, everybody else that's in that range to me has no excuses anymore. I'm talking mm -hmm. to my beloved Orlando Magic. But wh what do you see in terms of what the Raptors were able to get for an all-star level forward? Yeah, honestly, at first, it, it, it seemed like a little much. Um, I, I just I, I don't think Siakam is that player anymore, but he is to Indiana. And that's number one, I think. He is that upgrade. And they're not going to find these kind of players in free agency. It's just not what that market says in Indiana. But then I dove deeper and I listened to some smarter people. And, and, and I, I settled in a really good spot with this trade and this compensation, which is this upcoming draft kind of feel, feels like a dog show, right? It, it doesn't yep. seem like there's going to be a player out of this draft. So it's going to be hit and miss, kind of a big guessing game. So grabbing two 2024 20, first round picks is kind of like trial and error, right? Um, so I'm a little worried for Toronto in that regard. Uh, you know, and, and that sort of aligns with what you're saying, which is Siakam isn't a nobody. So to have two kind of maybe first round picks and then a 2026 first that should have some sort of oomph to it. I think Indiana did well here. Uh, you know, having the rights, having the ability to extend him. Keith Smith has a great breakdown with all the extension options for Siakam, which are certainly going to, I mean, he's already saying that out loud. I can't wait to extend here. So, right. uh, you know, Indiana has done their part, but the compensation feels like a little, uh, you know, a little bit like coming back to Toronto, especially for a player they've been at least offering in trade trades for the past two seasons. 
you're right. Settle is probably the right word. And now they have to be master draftsmen and hope that they can make this work in 2024. So for the Pacers, they probably make a deal like this, knowing that there would be some comfortability or excitement with Pascal Siakam for him to say that. So immediate after the trade, yeah. they already knew that in making this deal. Does that fall into a tampering bucket or is there <laughs> like an, you can't bring the T word up in the NBA <laughs> <laughs> or Only is like that one like out of 20 enter, ever come to fruition? Brandon? <laughs> if you, but if you enter into, I'm wondering if there is that sort of grace where you wouldn't technically be breaking the rules. If you're entering into trade discussions, yeah. are you then allowed to have conversations like that yes with and agents no. and such? Yes. And no, you know, what's happening. Um, the fact that he said things out loud to lead us to believe that this stuff was happening behind the scenes may get them in a little bit of trouble. That's that's essentially what happened with Jalen Brunson, right? And they and the Knicks did get a little bit of slap on the wrist for that. It it may happen. I, I think the Pacers look at it as doesn't matter. We got our number two guy here. We got a guy to go with Halliburton for the next four seasons. That's really all that matters. If we got to spend a little cash, you know, in terms of a fine to overcome that, so be it. But um, probably not. Like I said. One out of twenty of these things actually come to the to the surface and and result in some sort of NBA discipline. I don't think what we saw here qualifies yet, but I don't know what's happening behind the scenes. Like I said, Siakam has been in trade rumors for twenty four months, so people have been talking behind the channels for forever on this guy. So I, I'm happy this is a landing spot for him because, quite frankly, offensively speaking, this is a must see team. I mean, when Halliburton's healthy, yeah, he's, he's a guy. So to have a guy next to a guy is, you know, can essentially lead to something in the East. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, they, they already were. And uh, because of what Halliburton had brought to the table and they're the number one offensive team in the NBA, I know they don't get the national pub because they're not LA or Philly or Boston. You know, the, the NBA does, and their TV partners. Is They're only the, the literal Mecca of basketball, right? Where it was founded. But who, who's counting oh, yeah. that, right? Exactly. We'll just <laughs> overlook that. The NBA. I don't know if it's the NBA's fault or their TV partners or both, but they do yeah. such a bad job highlighting all these markets. But Indiana already must watch. And this just adds to it. I am curious on the there's a third team in the mix. And I this is where I, I need you in my life because I cannot figure out why are the Pelicans involved in this trade? They sent a second round pick to the Pacers in the deal. They also gave up uh, Kira Lewis yep. in in the trade. So I'm just trying to figure out where why why are they part of this mix after not I, getting uh, anything. I'm gonna I'm gonna quote Keith Smith verbatim here because I think he laid this out very nicely and a little bit snarkily. Uh, the Pelicans were about three million over the luxury tax line coming into this trade. They have never paid the tax in their in their franchise history, and this was not going to be the year that they did it. Right, so this was simply, hey, we're going to call. We we know something's happening over here. We want to get involved because we think we can do something here to help us for the next three four months. That's all this was. We'll give you a player. We'll give you a second round pick. It's going to drop us below the tax line. Now it really doesn't matter if we're the four seed or the twelve seed. At least we're not taxpayers because that's what New Orleans is thinking about right now. That is just wrap your head around that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That is the life of, of some NBA players. You were traded as nothing to do with your ability on the nothing. court, just so a team can avoid paying the tax. That's yeah. it. You are yeah. moving for that exact reason. <laughs> that is just crazy. I mean, um, so, yeah, go ahead. No, I, I honestly, good on New Orleans for identifying the situation, yeah. I guess. Right. Good I mean, they, they know who they are. 
yeah, you're right. There's a player who kind of gets cap casualty here, but I, I don't know. Moving on from a team that sort of feels stuck. Not not the worst situation in the world for a January, you know? Yeah. So we covered the Pacers side, the, the random Pelicans side, and uh, mm-hmm. we'll wrap on the on the Raptors side. Uh, they Maybe they didn't get enough for Pascal Siakam, could have got more, but either way you slice it, they end up with a few first-round picks, a decent player in Bruce Brown. And, and what it indicates more than anything else is that they are finally ready to admit this team wasn't going anywhere. They already traded OG and Anobi. Now they trade Pascal Siakam, and they're going to build the team around Scotty Barnes. Do you like and respect the direction that Toronto has chosen to take, even with an upcoming weak draft, so to speak, in the league? Yeah, because let's look at it a little bit bigger, right? It's not just Scotty Barnes. This team is now Emmanuel Quickly, RJ Barrett, Jakob Hurdle, and Scotty Barnes. There are worse fours out there, right? There are worse. True. Top They're not the worst team in the, in the NBA. League. They're not. Yeah. They're not. So this is not a rip the bandaid off. They have, they have established a situation. It feels like the Green Bay Packers a little bit, you know, without that. Yeah. You know, Scotty Barnes isn't yet Jordan Love. He could be. It's, we, we actually saw a little bit of that in year one, not so much in year two. But it feels like they are just getting younger and cheaper. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? It's a, it's a financial reset for sure. They did bring in some draft assets where if they hit on one or two of those, they're right back in the thick of this thing. You know, you know, there are some giants in the East that they have to compete with. They know it, but not going all the way down uh, is admirable and bringing in some young talent that I think if they, if there's some coaching involved here can really gel together. I, I, I like what they have here. Barrett as a restart in Toronto makes a ton of sense quickly has shown that he maybe can be more than a sixth man and Scotty Barnes has been an all pro, right? So I, I do think there's talent here. It's simply a matter of what comes next. But I, I love the fact that this team specifically coming off the heels of what, five years ago, a championship didn't feel the need to go all the way down to ground zero. They, they're kind of in the 25%, 30% land and they could quickly get themselves back in the competition here. Yeah, interesting that they can move off of Ananobi and Pascal Siakam yeah. and not be in uh, complete no man's land. But th- this was not a good team with those guys. So, uh, you know, it is possible that we're overrating those players. I can tell you as somebody who hosts a uh, fantasy basketball podcast for Rotowire, Scotty Barnes is a fantasy darling. The he's fans. money, right? He's yeah, money. Fa- I mean, because he's clean across the board. He he scores, steals, blocks, shoots a decent percentage, kind of knows his game in that way. So um, he's a guy that I think the casual NBA fan, not overly familiar with, but those that play fantasy basketball love this guy. <laughs> so we saw some big performances over Wild Card Weekend in the NFL. We saw some duds out there. I know you covered this a bit in your, in your last podcast episode, but I want to ask about the financial angle of this, of course, in, in a different way. Who impacted their future earnings the most with a positive or negative performance in round one? And you've got a few guys to go yeah, over. Yeah, we here. do. Yeah, Baker we got Mayfield, some quarterbacks here. Yeah. Jordan Love, Dak Prescott, Tua. These are all guys. It feels like the narrative has, has shifted because of one game, which it's a big game. It's a big opportunity. It also can be really overreactionary. So when you see the realistically the biggest shift in perception from fans or behind the scenes, what do you see? Well, let me do it this way. Uh, I'll take the four names you mentioned and I'll, I'll quickly give a, a one sentence thought. Uh, Baker's going to get paid. And if that's the franchise tag, that's still getting paid. <laughs> uh, Jordan Love is going to get paid and not just the 11 million he's due. 
in some regard, Dak Prescott's getting paid. And maybe we spin off here and have a second conversation about that one again, because I can't get away from it. I'm going to answer this question with Tua, because I think what happened this weekend means he doesn't get paid. I think it means they have to ride out this fifth year in Miami and bet on themselves because I guess plan B would be you offer him like a Daniel Jones type contract. Here's the problem with that. Daniel Jones didn't sign that contract until he didn't get the franchise tag. He was in free agency. He read the room around him and realized, well, (laughs) I might as well just go back to where I came from and take this 80 million guaranteed because there's really nobody else out there throwing cherries at me. So I don't think that's too dissimilar to where Tua could be in a, in a calendar year from now if Miami doesn't go the franchise tag route and all that. There's options Miami has that don't have to include hammering him with a huge extension right now. So I, I think that's where I am in terms of the, the biggest takeaway from wildcard weekend is Tua's not an extension candidate for me anymore. And I hate to see it because he was healthy. He did play well at times, but he didn't show up in the biggest game for Miami. And, and that's a problem for me. Right. And uh, I've been talking about that a lot on my end uh, and my daily sports show, but that th- I think you nailed it. You can't after after seeing it's not just that game. It's it's the final three. It's uh, yeah. Buffalo, Baltimore and then Kansas City in the playoffs only threw for over 200 yards once in those three games, over 60 percent passing once in those three games, more interceptions than touchdowns in those three games. These are the most important games of the year. and. I mean, you know this as much as anybody. If you pay a quarterback top dollar, the rest of your roster is going to deteriorate. You have to have a quarterback that can overcome limitations. And you just can't confidently say that about Tua. And I don't think that's hating on him. He he had a good, you're not taking away from the season, but is he the kind of quarterback that can win with limitations? I think there's no way you can answer yes to that. And so then you once you can't answer yes to that, you can't pay him top dollar. Well, let me ask you this. Would it, you, you're a GM starting over right now. I don't know. You're I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have an example. You're the Patriots, okay? You don't have your quarterback. Would you rather have Tua or Kirk Cousins for 2024? I'd rather give a shot to Tua just to see if he okay. takes that leap because we we already know what Cousins is. You do. Okay. All right. That's fair. See, then, then, then I think Miami needs to do the right thing and just hold serve and understand that the, the fifth-year option is good pay for Tua. They're going to bully him. You know, They're going to Kyler Murray the crap out of the Miami Dolphins in, t- in terms of his agent and, and Tua himself. You know, There's going to be an unfollow on Instagram. You know how this goes, man. We've seen this. It's, <laughs> it's all going to be there. And I think Miami needs the whole court and understand that this is, uh, this is where they have to be because there's other mouths to feed on that roster where Christian Wilkins... Probably needs twenty five million a year, unless you're going to you know franchise tag him and let him walk eventually. It's a it's it's a very deep contractual roster without the quarterback contract, and I'm not sure they're ready for that quarterback contract. Can I ask you this though? Can we go ahead? Yeah. No, I wanted to follow up one uh, one yeah. more on Tua before we move on. The he is entering his fifth year. That fifth year option is worth twenty three million dollars, right? Yep. Why would the Dolphins franchise tag him if they can just let him play on that? 
Is that just to appease? Oh, no. So what I'm saying here is that's already fully guaranteed. That's locked in. You're just going to keep him on that for 2024. And then the franchise tag is available to you in 2025, right? Okay. So you're not using that this upcoming. You can't use that this upcoming offseason. No, no. So what I'm saying is you've already got, you know, 65, 70 million ahead of you, Tua. By just slow playing this and accepting the fact that you are not extension worthy right now, that's good money. All right. It's really good money. It's pretty close to Daniel Jones money. And I realize that's laughable to some people, but that is the process here. Um, you know, it's either this or you go to 200 million guaranteed. And just that's just not where Tua is. Isn't the same conversation necessary for Dak Prescott in Dallas right now? I I think it's he's just it's a few years older, but it's the same exact situation. A guy who's coming off of a career year. Dak was amazing this season, but when yep. it mattered the most, and that has been the case, he's now two and five in the playoffs. Yep. You have to use that against him. You got to win. If you're not angling for Super Bowls, what are we doing here? Uh, and that has to be part of the equation. All right. So for months and months, I've, I've been in on this. Dak is going to get extended. The 60 million mark is probably going to get eclipsed. That's where we are because he was playing like that. Right. And he was and he was there and he was worthy of it. He's a top three MVP candidate. All that stuff exists. Here we are, though, back at square one with another Cowboys flop. And and he was, I mean, deer in headlights. I mean, literal deer in headlights that entire game. He didn't look anything like regular season Dak. Here's the difference between Tua and, and Dak. There's a gigantic cap hit, right? There's a 59 and change cap hit for Dak. It's a $34 million cash salary for Dak. There's a lot going on here that Jerry Jones and co have to figure out. And now we at least know there's going to be consistency in the coaching staff, at least on the offensive side of the ball. So it's really now a Dak Prescott conversation in Dallas. There's a world, there's a very real world. Maybe I may be even leaning there now, Brandon, where they just simply convert that salary into bonus, use void years and make Dak Prescott a a pending free agent in 2025 and, and just really understand what they have here and use a draft pick. Use a second round pick to bring in maybe the next iteration. I, I don't think Trey Lance is that guy, right? Can can we say that out loud? He's not that I, guy. I, mean, right? I guess we haven't really seen him play. <laughs> right. he's, we he's were saying that about Jordan Love. Then he got an opportunity. So he's, I'm a little slow. I, I I can be a little hesitant with it. He's he's that. rostered for Dallas and fully guaranteed at five million next year for them. So it's not like he's a nothing. He's a part of this conversation. I mean, he's there. Yeah. He's on the team. Maybe and they guaranteed. already have the air apparent. That I I'm just I'm just throwing that into the mix so that it's out there. But That's a good point. I I don't know that it's a slam dunk now that extending deck is on the table in Dallas. A, because McCarthy's clearly on a one-year expiring. That's, you know, there's no extension coming from Mike McCarthy. I don't care what the talking heads say. So should there be for Dak Prescott? I'm not positive. I I don't know why the two conversations would be different between Tua and Dak outside of the fact that they have to lower this cap hit. And I can tell you right now, they can free up 30 million of that with just a simple cap conversion by just taking the 34 million cash and making it a signing bonus. So there's easier ways to get around this, uh, you know, outside of having to lop on 220 million guaranteed. And Dak's a hell of a quarterback, but not when it matters. Not when it matters. But I will say this: I think if you're really breaking down the seasons these two guys just had, I'd give a little more credit to Dak. Mm-hmm. Tua had two of the best running backs in the NFL this year behind him. <laughs> he has two of the fastest wide receivers on the edge. Uh, Dak has CD Lamb. There's no question. Dak made, Dak made Jake, Dak made Jake Ferguson look like a superstar. There's no That's question. my point. There's no question. Tua didn't make anybody who's average excellent. He just he just helped excellent players be their 
their best selves, and he had a great run game behind him. Tony Pollard was useless this useless. year, and Dak yeah. was still an MVP candidate. So that's why, for me, we, we walk away from this podcast today saying it's an absolute no to Tua, extension-wise, and it's a maybe for Dak. It's I just think not that's the, the right slam dunk anymore. It. Yeah, that's it. I want to ask you a question about the Eagles, and 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 this is not a this isn't a take, even if it sounds like one. It's really just a question. But they appear to be falling apart at the seams. This was a team that was viewed as a Super Bowl team, not just a Super Bowl team. They were viewed as one of those super teams where you looked at the roster and went, "How is anyone going to compete with them?" Early in the season, they played like it. We completely misread this situation, and in that process, we had a lot of love thrown the way of Howie Roseman. And of all of the negativity I've heard around the Eagles, it's Nick Sirianni, it's Jalen Hurts and his leadership, it's A.J. Brown deleting Instagram pictures. I don't hear anything about Howie Roseman, who put this team together. Should he be receiving criticism right now, and have we overrated how good he is as a general manager? No, he's one of the best in the league. Um, he's awkward. He's in terms of how he runs his business. He is, it's funny because when it comes to contracts, he is ruthlessly rigid. All right. And he will, he will sacrifice five years for, for today across the board from the quarterback contract to the punter contract. He'll, he'll do it everywhere. So he will go the extra mile to make as deep a roster as humanly possible. And by the way, I, I think that's what this roster was. I, I don't think this roster was terrible. I really don't. Um, you know, I just look across the board and I see players that either, what, I don't know, ran out of gas, got really old halfway through this season. I, I think there's some of that for sure. And or it just didn't work out from an injury standpoint or from a, from a, uh, a chemistry standpoint. I don't, I don't know that there's too much of that. It just, I think everything went wrong at once. You know what this kind of felt like to me? I, I hate this analogy, but I'm going to say it anyway. The Eagles feel like James Harden, who they know very well, by the way, because this yeah, is sure exactly do. what happened to James Harden on the 76ers last year. At some point in time during the season, James Harden just either A, runs out of gas or something triggers him to become a different player. He, he just he starts off perfect, and he's perfect right now on this Clippers team, right? We all yeah. know that by like March 1st, it's like sea biscuit. Something's going to go wrong <laughs> and he's going to turn into this 75 shot a night player. And it just feels like that's what happened with the Eagles. And either it's a hangover from that Super Bowl run or they simply lost the locker room. And, and that is Nick Sirianni to me. So I'm not going to blame Howie Roseman. I think the draft picks have been ridiculously good. And they, I think even last year, the draft picks were ridiculously good. Bringing in players like Swift on a fourth round acquisition that's ridiculously good. The structure of Jalen Hurts' contract is ridiculously good. Acquiring A.J. Brown, ridiculously good. I, I, I can't fault Hobby Roseman here because I, I know too much about his work and I, and I think he's got the, the backing to prove it. I'm putting this all on the coach. And I, I know they aren't doing that yet in Philly. They are letting Nick Sirianni take a, a, a country tour to find better coordinators. I don't know if that's what's going to happen here, right? I think at the end of the day, Nick Sirianni still gets fired. And that's the only way to resolve 2023 because everything else seemed to be lining up outside of maybe a couple of bad fingers and, a, and an ankle injury for Jalen Hurts, which, you know, isn't nothing. But I, I do think the bigger problem here was the coach lost the locker room and that's not salvageable. 
Again, not a take. I wanted your opinion on this. Nailed it as per usual. So I'm going to hold off on any criticism of Howie Roseman. That was one of those thoughts. Like when you lay in bed at night and you're like, I should be sleeping. But instead you're like, is Howie Roseman a good GM? That was when I lay in bed. I I dread another Howie Roseman contract because it is so effing complicated to have to ascertain (laughs) the seven option bonuses and when they vest and how it works from a dead cap standpoint. He's an absolute disaster for a guy like me sitting here trying to figure out his contracts. Well, you have every reason to be salty and look at you complimenting him. That's right. Yeah. Disaster. Good for you. Let's go to our quick hits to wrap up today's episode. We'll stick with the Eagles. Their center, Jason Kelsey, said on his podcast that he's not ready to announce his plans for the future. There was some reporting from Adam Schefter that he had told his teammates that he was retiring. I'm not sure how accurate that was, but would there be any, be any contractual reason for him to withhold that information for the time being? Why do you think if, if he knows in the back of his head, I'm retiring, why wait? Yeah, they're not going to process this until June 2nd for cap purposes. It's one of those things that Howie Roseman builds into all of his contracts, even the 36-year-olds. So Jason Kelsey is actually under contract next season for about $4 million, And there's a guaranteed roster bonus of $2.75 million that he can take with him if it vests, and it will, in March. So that is the reasoning here. Right, mm. he wants that. He wants a little parting gift. Yes. All right, and I, I, I didn't. Knew wanna, there, I knew it. I knew there was. I don't want to tweet this stuff because it sounds so scummy to tweet this stuff out. Like, hey, Jason. Well, Kelsey, and the Swifties will come after you. He wants, wants to own his own content, and no, he wants the three million dollar bonus. Is what he wants. All right, because he's only he's made eighty one million in thirteen seasons, and that's really amazing coin. But you know, three million on the way out is a pretty nice parting gift. So. Sure. He's gonna he's gonna work that deal out. Maybe they even lower that price tag as like a you know a settlement process, but. For cap purposes, they have to wait till June 2nd to process this retirement. And oh, by the way, he's going to get a bonus to walk away. So you expect this news to drop officially around June? He'll, he'll announce it. He'll announce it on his own terms much before that, in my opinion. But the actual official stuff won't come much later. And probably the same for Fletcher Cox and a couple of other players that probably should walk away at the end of the season, right? Yeah. Yeah, I cannot wait to tell my wife that information. She's been asking me about Jason Kelsey incessantly, and I'm like, how do you care this much about a center in the NFL? Uh, Jim Harbaugh and Bill Belichick interviewed with the Atlanta Falcons. In reality, what are the chances that they actually end up with a coaching hire that falls flat for this fan base where they get some hotshot coordinator? They've set themselves up. Good for them, but they've set themselves up for fan base failure here. Do you think that's the most likely scenario? I, I'm really fascinated that none of these positions have filled yet. Uh, it's really who who are we waiting for Belichick? Who, who do you think is the is the one that everybody else is waiting for, or is it just that so many of these coordinators are still active right now in terms of you know divisional playoffs and stuff like that? I'm fascinated by it, but I, we've talked about this before. Belichick in Atlanta makes no sense to me. I don't know why Harbaugh would pick Atlanta over a team like the Chargers or I don't know, some of these other options, but I I get why both at least showed up to listen because Arthur Blank is probably somebody really nice to work for. It's a nice area to to, to play, you know, to operate in. And there's some pieces. There's definitely some pieces. I just don't think there's enough pieces for a a coach of this earth to actually say yes to. I I want Ben Johnson to win this job. Don't you? I want, I want a play. For fantasy purposes. Yes. I want a guy. who knows how to take weapons and get a quarterback to overachieve in, in an offense that he can script together. And I, I think that's Atlanta's only hope 
because they're not going to get the best quarterback. They're not going to get the second best quarterback. Right now, they're going to get like the fourth best quarterback in the draft, maybe the right. fifth. And they're going to have to find somebody via trade or free agency. And that may be Justin Fields, who I think is above average, but we haven't seen near what ceiling we expected out of that player. So Justin Fields with Ben Johnson, yes, I'm in on that. So if that's what's about to happen here over the next couple of months, to me, that's best case scenario for the Falcons. Yeah, it feels like uh, Jim Harbaugh is the flavor of the month that he's actually the one that is creating this waiting period. Do you want him in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, the last time we saw him in the NFL, he was pretty darn good. Amazing. Yeah. So why isn't I, Seattle thinking about this? I compl- I completely agree. Uh, I don't know if there's maybe there's bad blood between him and and Pete Carroll, and Carroll still has some stroke. Remember, those two were going head to head in those oh, yeah. all those NFC championships, and within the division for uh for the Forty ers and the Seahawks. So I was that's the only thing I can think that maybe that is what is holding back any sort of relationship there as silly as that would be. Yeah. But yeah, he'd be perfect for Seattle. I and, and I think you and I agree. Seattle's the best job available right now. No question. No question. Yeah. It's um, they were fringe. They were right there. I mean, Atlanta's there. Uh, and it's not like Seattle has too much of an upgrade quarterback right now. I, I like Geno Smith. I don't love Geno Smith, but yeah, there's that. That's, that's a place I would drop into if I'm one of these experienced coaches looking to win 12 games next year. Let's uh, let's wrap with a question that this story is, you know, for how for how fast the news cycle turns, this feels like an old story just because it's a couple weeks old. But we haven't had a chance to talk about this yet. Bob Myers, the former GM of the Golden State Warriors, is taking over as general manager of the Washington Commanders. Now, from the way I understand it, it's more of a business operations thing than a player management thing, but still a general manager, still a high ranking executive within the organization can gm savvy and experience translate from sport to sport is that a skill that if you know your role can can you you can jump from different platforms yes as long as he's not making direct football operational decisions right and, and i i don't think he's experienced maybe i'm wrong i don't know this guy I, I i love what i know but i don't know enough about this guy to understand his background in 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 a multi-sport effect but it kind of feels like he's being brought in to manage the managers right or to analyze the analysts right is that a better way to look at it like like hey i obviously know what the hell i'm doing with this stuff on a global standpoint so maybe it's more about bridging the gap between the analytical part of football and the operational side of football and where there needs to be a nice happy medium because I think a lot of franchises are falling flat in that regard. There's a lot of them out there that are too numbers oriented. There's a lot of them out there that just haven't adapted enough technology or or personnel enough to get on board with, you know, how many times you go down on fourth down and when you shouldn't be punting and all the good stuff that has come into the game lately. I do feel like even if it's just drafting, right? This guy has an absolute rock solid resume. And maybe that's all he's here for is the off-season stuff. These are the contracts we want to take on. This is the kind of draft process and and mantra we, we want to have. Because quite frankly, that Washington franchise has been an absolute nightmare in free agency and in the draft specifically. This guy's got a pedigree with that. So if he's just analyzing from afar and then maybe he's the the checks and balance for some decisions that are going to get made you know below him i love it all right because i think the guy's certainly got the resume and the pedigree he clearly has a relationship 
with the people that are that are involved now in Washington, and they needed a wholesale change. So I don't know from a football standpoint if he makes a single decision, but analyzing the decisions that are going to be made, if you want to pay somebody to do that, God bless, right? Good, yeah, good for you. He shouldn't be the guy deciding which linebacker you take. He That's should right. be the guy helping with the process of how you, how you maybe – yeah. Uh, get to that point where you're making those decisions. Like he, you said the word process. I think that's perfect. Help with the process of running an organization um, internally and public relations wise, but not actually making those decisions on which players we that's are right. selecting. Yeah. Build, build the culture, but also I'm not talking about the locker room culture. I'm talking about the culture of how do we become an attractive destination? How do we not overpay when we, you know, you know, free agency something that they've been apt to do for so long at that franchise? They have so many bad free agent contracts in their history. Um, and how can we kind of build this thing from the inside out? I don't know what it means for the current roster because I think a guy like this, looking at the commanders, you know, roster like I do, has a lot of eyebrow raises and question marks. But there, there's a world, I guess, where this guy comes in and just says, "I'm here when you need me." You know, they're paying me on retainer. I know I know what I have in my past. I've handled players like Draymond Green, which isn't nothing, right? The NFL is full of players <laughs> that, that come with that kind of character oh, flaw. Yeah. So I, I do think there's it makes some sense. But, you know, football operations-wise, they better bring in a hell of a lot more guys ahead of Bob Myers. Let's put it that way. We'll cap it right there. A reminder to those that are looking for podcast help. I now run my own podcast and audio production service. You can find out more information at AuthenticAudioPro.com. Whatever your business needs, sports or otherwise, I can be your guy for that. That's a wrap for today's Spot Track podcast. If you like the content you hear on this channel, follow, rate, review, subscribe, and make sure you visit SpotTrack.com for all of the latest on the sports contract and transactional world. Till next time.